0: Yes, God, we thank you for your reckless love that even when we were your foes, you still pursued us, you still hunted us down. We can see how your love was always there and how you were the one who began this relationship that so many of us have experienced with you, Lord. And our prayer is just that we would know you deeper, that we would learn that you are more faithful and trustworthy than, than perhaps we ever realized. that we would discover new treasures through our relationship with you, deeper joys and measures of peace in our life, love that we don't even fully understand right now, but that maybe we could understand more fully in our future as we dive deeper into a relationship with you, Lord. And oftentimes, God, you want to use struggles and challenges in our life. And I know many of us are here this morning and we have struggles and we have challenges in our life. And so I'm just going to pray that you would be very present and very real to us, very near to us, especially those who have some kind of challenge right now in our life that is just at the fore of our mind, maybe even at our home, fore of our home life. And God, I just want to pray that you would meet us wherever we're at this morning, that your grace would truly be sufficient for us, uh, help us to see that and to know that and to believe that. So we're going to ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus who makes it all possible. Amen. Good morning, Adam Brook. Hey, it's good to be here with you. If you are a first-time guest with us, I just want to give you a warm welcome. We're, we're glad you're here, and uh, thank you for braving the, the weather and the elements <laughs> uh, to make it to church today. Um, we know some of you uh, couldn't get out, and so you're watching online. We know many of you are watching even out of state. We're, we're getting phone calls almost weekly, people just seeking um, prayer requests or things like that because they're watching our messages online. So if you're watching online, hey, we're glad you're tuned in and a part of what's happening here at Edinburgh. Um, but I, I did want to just give you a couple reminders. You heard Pastor Bob talk about that financial peace class uh, that starts tonight. Uh, I think I heard there's only five more spots. Um, we have five more packages that we can give out. And so if that's something that God has put on your heart and you've been thinking about it, don't hesitate. I want to encourage you to sign up for that uh, as soon as you get out of uh, service today. Um, there's also another parenting class called the Art of Parenting that's going to be taking place at the same time. 6 p.m. here at the church. Um, I'm going to encourage you, if, if you need, <laughs> as we all do, Help with Parenting. This is a great class. I've looked at the curriculum. It's awesome curriculum put, put on by Family Life. I promise you, you won't be disappointed in taking that class. But we're right now, we're in a series called Experiencing the Goodness of God. And honestly, my hope for you in this series is that maybe even if right now, You'd say, I I don't know if I really see God's goodness in my life. I mean, yeah, I could think of some things, and I know there's things in my life I need to be grateful for. But I can't tell you really I'm experiencing his goodness in like a profound way. My hope for you in this series is that you would just keep pressing in in your relationship with Jesus so that maybe you don't see it right now, especially if you're newer to the faith. We know many of you here are. But that maybe in a year from now or five years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to go, whoa, God is good. God has helped me to get through some stuff. God has changed me in areas of my life that I didn't think possible. That's my hope for you in this series. And the reality is one of the ways that we experience God's goodness the most is very counterintuitive. It's not even in the good times. It's through our weaknesses and through our struggles. And I'm learning this more and more how God works through my personal weaknesses. In um, the hall home, something we love to do is we love to wrestle one another. At least I love to wrestle my kids. My kids love to wrestle me. Danielle kind of stays out of it, but we we just love to 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 get on the floor and you know wrestle. There's never been any injuries. We're not body slamming or doing anything like that. But my kids love to you know just pile up on dad and hit me with whatever they can. That's like their favorite pastime. And so this is kind of what we do uh, to bond. I'm teaching them some moves like the half Nelson and some other things that they're starting to learn so they can put dad on his back. But most of the time, I dominate, okay? I just put my body weight on them. I love that feeling of crushing my kids under me, I <laughs> right? And and it, most of the time, I dominate. And that's kind of my thing with the kids, Alright, I'm kind of king of the hill when it comes to wrestling, but Danielle's thing is she loves to play cards with the kids, or board games with the kids. And in fact, there's a new card game they've been playing called Blind Man's Bluff. Danielle loves to sit down with the kids, and they love to play this game. I hate it. I won't play it. And the reason I won't play it is I stink at it, alright? They, they team up on me, and they just crush me, so I, I, I won't play I wrestle; that's my thing. But this last uh, summer, I did something to my back. I, I tweaked it and it, it was pretty bad. Like I started to have back spasms. I couldn't even sit down for long periods of time. I'd have to stand even in meetings and things like that. And I told Danielle, like, this is painful. Like, I now know what it's like to go into labor. I can empathize, Danielle. <laughs> she said, buck, buck up, sissy pants. Uh, she said, it's nothing like going into labor, pushing an eight-pound baby out of your body. I couldn't argue with that. So unfair. But I said, you're right. I could never do that. But I was in pain, and I, I couldn't wrestle the kids anymore. So this thing that we love to do, I couldn't do it. And uh, it was hard. But what I did, since I couldn't now get on the ground and, and wrestle, is secretly, without them knowing, I started playing this card game. I started having friends come over, and anytime family was over, I'd say, Let's sit down and let's play this card game. And I got really good at it. Really good at it. In fact, uh, when I finally got the, the family together, they were kind of surprised when I said, Hey, you guys want to play Blind Man's Bluff? And they agreed, and so we sat down and we played. We played four rounds. I won three out of the four rounds. So now I don't just dominate, right, at wrestling. Now I'm dominating at this card game. And eventually my back got better. I started seeing a chiropractor, started getting some advice from some doctors. And now dad is not just king of the hill when it comes to wrestling. He's king of the hill when it comes to this card game. And my kids can't stand dad anymore. (laughs) But I tell you this because this is so true in life. And even though this is kind of a trivial example, oftentimes when we are weak, and there's something we can't do in our life or we're limited to do in our life. God has a way of bringing out new strengths in our life as well. And that's what the Apostle Paul teaches us as we're working our way through 2 Corinthians. In chapter 12, in verse 10, listen to what Paul says. He says, that is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses. How many of you would say you delight in your weakness? But Paul says, I delight in weaknesses in insults in hardships in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. Now the Apostle Paul's not kidding about having weaknesses and challenges and struggles in his life. He says this in chapter 11. He says, I have worked much harder, I've been in prison more frequently, I've been flogged more severely, and I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. By the way, 40 was considered a death sentence. You could die with 40 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Imagine being beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. They thought he was dead. He lived through that. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. You know, Paul had sleepless nights where he didn't even have anything to eat and he was cold because he didn't have clothes. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. You know, if ever there was someone who could say they had weaknesses and were experiencing challenges in their life, it would be the Apostle Paul. You know, for me, I just hurt my back, or, you know, I have to wait in line at the coffee shop, and, you know, I'm ready to throw in the towel. But the Apostle Paul, he had some serious weaknesses and some serious challenges in his life, and yet he says, that is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, he says, then I am strong. Now, we all have strengths in our lives, but we also all have weaknesses in our life. It might be different from the Apostle Paul's, your weaknesses might be different from mine, but we all have weaknesses in our lives. And we could define a weakness this way a weakness is any limitation. I wish I didn't have. A weakness is any limitation I wish I didn't have and oftentimes can't do anything to change. It's something I wish wasn't a part of my life and oftentimes I don't have the power to change it. In fact, the Apostle Paul says this in verses 7 through 9, he says, to keep me from becoming deceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment him, and he, listen to this, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times he asked God, take this away from me. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. In other words, God did not take this thorn out of Paul's side. These weaknesses in our life, sometimes God, he leaves them there. And there's nothing we can do to change it. There's been a lot of debate over the years, what was this thorn in Paul's side? Um, Some speculate that it's a physical disability. Uh, There is reason to believe that Paul had um, something wrong with his eyes. In, In the book of Galatians, he says, if you could, if it were possible, you would have given me your own eyesight. So there's reason to believe something was wrong with the Apostle Paul's eyes in another letter. He says, you can see this is written by my own hand. Look at how big my letters are. He apparently had to use really big letters in his writing because he didn't see very well. And regardless if if that was his thorn or not, I just find it amazing that here you have the greatest church planner ever who probably did more to advance God's kingdom on earth um, than anyone else outside of Jesus And yet, God allows him not to see very well, something you would think you would need for your missionary journeys. So some believe it was a physical disability like that. Others believe it was just a mental struggle. Some believe that the Apostle Paul struggled with depression. Um, If you don't know his story, before he became a Christian, he went by the name Saul, and he was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians. Uh, He locked up men and women, had them thrown into jail for their Christian faith. And in one case, he actually had a man named Stephen stoned to death. He was the one who gave permission to have um, the other Pharisees stone a man named Stephen to death in the city streets. And so he eventually became a Christian and gave his life to Christ and, you know, again, became this awesome uh, missionary used by God. But some believe that he might have still struggled um, with his past. That, that there might have been times where uh, he had some dark thoughts and that he would be reminded of the things that he had done. And that, that even though he strived to put his past behind him, as he says in the book of Philippians, and look to Christ, it's possible he still dealt with, with some depressing thoughts. And I know that can be some of us. We've become Christians. But just because of things we've done in our past, spiritually, God looks at us as his perfect righteous children but sometimes the emotions still linger and we still have to wrestle with those those thoughts and those things that we've done that we feel bad for it takes time and so if that's the thorn god hadn't taken that away from paul at this time at least for a season in his life but others argue and it's probably the most accurate that the thorn in his side was simply persecution that the Apostle Paul, he, he experienced a lot of persecution. In fact, every city he went to, he had a group of people who followed him around from city to city, um, criticizing him and undermining his ministry. Can you imagine just someone just constantly, a group of people constantly putting you down, constantly saying bad things about you to others, and, uh, and at times even turning violent? This is what the Apostle Paul dealt with. Maybe this is the thorn in his side he wished God would take away, and yet God didn't take it away. And so I just want to ask you the question, what is that weakness in your life? What's that thorn in your side? What is that thing in your life that you wish God would take away? And you've prayed about it many times, but he he hasn't taken it away. And it's a weakness. It's a thorn. For some of us, it might not be as extreme as the Apostle Paul's. It might be just something like Maybe we're, we're struggling with our age a little bit. Maybe some of us feel too young. Maybe some of us feel too old. <laughs> and you're struggling with, with aging. For others of us, maybe it's our appearance. Just don't like the way we look. Maybe it's as simple as something. I just don't like my hair. I prayed God would change my hair, but he won't change it. I don't know what that is for you. Um, I, I often meet people who are not a part of Edinburgh Church but know of Edinburgh Church. I mean, we're a big enough church that just about everyone I meet has a, ha, usually knows about Edinburgh or knows one of you from Edinburgh. And it's amazing, when they find out I'm the lead pastor here at Edinburgh, you can always see how unimpressed they are. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost like you can see a wave of disappointment <laughs> creep over their face like, you're, you're the lead pastor, Really? You know, I, I've, I, I kid you not. I've, I've had people find out I'm the lead pastor of Edinburgh and, and do this. Really. I mean, some of you have said, I have grandkids that are older than you. You know, you forget when I started here, I was 32 years old. I was young. And I wish I had a more commanding presence. I do. I grew a beard to try to look more mature. I don't know, how's it working? I'm thinking like in a year it might fill out, you know? (laughs) But I've often wished I had a more commanding presence, and I just don't. You know, and this is a weakness in my life. People aren't impressed with the way I look and with my age. And maybe some of you can relate to that. For some of you, maybe it's a mental struggle And you do battle something like depression. Um, Just a few weeks ago, uh, I just had this dark cloud hanging over my head. I woke up and I was just in a bad mood. It didn't seem hopeful. Life just didn't seem hopeful. I didn't have any motivation to do anything, to even come into work. And And I thought, man, some of you, you live like that every day. You're dealing with this every day, and my heart goes out to you, and maybe you've prayed, God, take away this depression. I want to encourage you, read the Psalms. You know, David struggled with depression. It's possible Paul struggled with it too. But for some of you, that's that's your thorn. Some of you would say my thorn is I'm single and I'm lonely. And I wish I had someone in my life. I wish I had a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or someone, you know, or I was married. Friends, have you seen married people? <laughs> Marriage can be wonderful if you learn how to show forgiveness after forgiveness after forgiveness. But some of you would say, that's been my thorn, that's, that's my weakness. You know, I don't know what that weakness um, is for you, but I want you to think through that and acknowledge what that weakness you know, might be in your life. The Apostle Paul, in, in, in chapter 4, he says this, he says, we ourselves, talking about believers here, he says, we are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What's the treasure he's talking about? He's talking about the message and the power of Jesus Christ. Now, this is something that's only true for believers. If you're not a believer this morning, listen, we want you to know, we want you to have this treasure in you, We want you to have this power in you. But the Apostle Paul says that this this treasure, it's in jars of clay. And he's referring to believers here who have all kinds of weaknesses. He didn't say God puts it in golden urns. He didn't say God puts it in silver pots. He says he puts it in these clay jars, these fragile clay jars that are broken, that are chipped, that are cracked. Why in the world would God take his treasure, his power, and would he put it in people like you and me who have so many weaknesses? Well, that's the question I want to answer this morning. You can follow along in your handout. But first, the the reason God allows us to have these weaknesses in our life is because God's power shows up best in our weaknesses. You realize this? That God's power actually shows up best. In your weaknesses. This is what the Bible says, and I know this is very counterintuitive, but again, in verse 9, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest on me. It's through our weaknesses that Christ's power rests in our life. Our problem is we often want to hide our weaknesses, we want to sweep our weaknesses under the rug, we want to pray away our weaknesses. And many of us, we wanna just focus on our strengths and we try to do life on our own. My daughter, Callie, she's three years old and she, you know, she wants to do everything by herself these days. She's at that age, including climbing the stairs. And so now, you know, we're trying to take her hand and teach her how to climb the stairs, but she wants to do it on her own. And so it wasn't too long ago, she was climbing the stairs, she didn't wanna hold our hand. She was gonna learn how to do it on her own she also learned about a little thing called gravity. And she took a tumble. And fortunately, she wasn't that high up. And, you know, she landed on carpet, but there were tears. And she learned a valuable lesson that she needs help to learn how to do these things. But I'm telling you, this is what so many of us do in life. We're trying to climb the stairs of our finances on our own. We're trying to climb the stairs of our marriage on our own. We're trying to climb the stairs of our career and our future on our own. And many of us have taken a tumble as a result. And sometimes we pay a steep price as a result. But if we will humble ourselves and we will learn to depend on God and put our trust in God, God is telling us we will experience the power of Christ in our lives. Many people don't know this about me and would be surprised to, to hear this, that one of my weaknesses is anxiety. I've struggled with anxiety my entire life. And it wasn't until my early 20s that I even figured out what, what anxiety was. I'd never even heard that word. But once I realized, learned that idea of, of anxiety, I was like, that's what I've struggled with. And this is something, it's been, it's been a lifelong battle. And generally, people who have anxiety, you know, Don't go into public speaking. (laughs) Generally, anxiety and public speaking don't go well together. I remember the the first time I ever had to give a a public speech. It was in uh, class at college. And I was going to, you know, my turn was coming up. I'd never given a public speech before. And I knew my time was coming. And my heart started beating out of my chest. And the room started spinning around me. And so I excused myself from the class, acting like I was going to go to the bathroom. And I remember I got out of the doors and I put my back against the wall and I slid to the floor. And I had an anxiety attack right there. And I was just praying, God, help me, help me, help me. And uh, somehow, by God's grace, He gave me the strength. I went in, and I actually I gave the speech. And then people came up to me afterwards. were like, "Man, that was that was a good speech. You should consider being a public speaker." And that's kind of what started me on this journey of public speaking. But generally, when you struggle with anxiety, public speaking is not something you want to go into. And I got to tell you, I love you all, and you are just an awesome, awesome church, but you are also scary to get in front of and talk every week. Every week, I kid you not, I have PMS, pre-message syndrome where I'm anxious and I'm trying to put a message together and I'm like, how am I going to inspire and what am I going to have to say for people this week? And I'm just struggling <laughs> with anxiety and, and, and fear. You know, this has been a, a struggle uh, in, in my life. And then, you know, there are weeks that I, I can't speak and I need to get some help. And so I'll tap Pastor Josh or Pastor Bob or Pastor Tyler on the shoulder. Hey, would you guys be willing to speak for me? And it's so annoying because they're not anxious at all. They're just like, sure, put us on the calendar. We'll speak. So annoying. But I'll tell you, they have huge glaring weaknesses outside of anxiety, okay? huge weaknesses that when they mature in their faith, they'll tell you about someday, okay? Um, No, I love them. And they always do an awesome job. But it can be frustrating when you have that struggle in your life, something that you deal with and and others don't struggle with it the way you do. And so it raises the question, why, why would God call someone who struggles with anxiety and put them in a role like this? so that people will know it's God who's doing the work, not Brent Hall. That it's God's power at work in my life and through my life. And so he gets the credit for that. That's what Paul says in in chapter 4, verse 7. He says, we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. That's what I am. It's who you are, containing this great treasure. But he says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. So that's first. God's power shows up best in our weaknesses. Two, God gives us these weaknesses because our struggles grow our character. He allows us to have weaknesses in our life because it's honestly, it's through the struggles in our life that you and I grow. We wouldn't grow if it was always easy. You and I wouldn't grow if we didn't have challenges in our lives. Um, friends, what drives me uh, to reading and going to conferences and putting mentors in my life And to studying, and and nothing like my anxiety has taught me to pray. As much as, you know, dealing with struggles like anxiety and issues like that. This role has has taught me my need for God and my need to be dependent on him each and every day and each and every week. Without those struggles and those challenges, we, we honestly, we don't press in and we don't We don't grow. That's why Paul says this elsewhere in Romans 5. He says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. How do we grow in our character? We grow through our struggles. We grow through the weaknesses that we experience in in, in life. And for many of us, you know what your weakness is, your thorn. It's actually it's a person. Many of us have a person in our life. It's just a thorn. It could be a, a it could be a coworker, it, it might even be a spouse. It could be a parent. You know, some of us just have parents who are who are hard to please. It could be a child who's just gone off the rails. But let me ask you the question: How would you grow in your character if you weren't tested by people? who cross you and challenge you in life? How would you grow? How would you learn patience unless God put people in your life, you know, who make slurping noises when they drink and cut in line? How would you grow in patience and learn to be a more patient person? How would you learn to be a more forgiving person if you didn't have someone in your life who had wronged you? Friends, forgiveness is unnatural. Unnatural. It's something that has to be learned, and we don't learn it unless someone crosses us. But it's a good lesson to learn, especially if you're going to get married, because I'm telling you, a necessary ingredient in marriage is going to be learning how to forgive one another. Unless you're marrying someone who's just like Jesus Christ, you're going to have to learn how to forgive. We don't learn it unless God puts someone in our life who challenges us. How do you learn how to be a humble person and humility unless god puts someone in your life who's better at you you know better than you at something you won't learn humility how do you learn boundaries unless you have someone who routinely in your life is you know taking advantage of you to the point where you say i can't do this anymore for my own spiritual health and the health of my family i have to put boundaries in place Friends, we grow in our character through our struggles, through our weaknesses, and oftentimes that's through, that's through people. I, I remember uh, having a boss who was just an absolute tyrant, and you know, he's just hard to work for. I had just gotten married. I'm trying to support my family financially, and he's saying things to us like, if you don't get your numbers up, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be living on the streets. He would actually say things like that to his employees. And it just put this fear in us. It put this, I don't know, anxiety in us when it came to our jobs. And so um, while I hated it at the time, one of the things it taught me was the importance of having healthy finances that I realized then and there I was never going to allow Danielle and me to be in debt, at least serious debt. We did have a student loan that we were paying off, but we weren't going to let debt be a part of our life because I didn't ever want to have to be in a job situation where I didn't have the financial freedom to, to move if I needed to. And, 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 and so today, Danielle and I, we, we don't have debt. And even though it was really hard at the time, I look back and I'm thankful that God put that, that hard boss in my life. Because it taught me the importance of financial freedom. We struggle in this world, but that's also the very thing that God uses to grow our character and to increase our hope as we see God working in our lives. Number three, we experience God's grace through our weaknesses. We experience God's grace. He says this in verses 7 through 9. He says, to keep me from being conceited, meaning being self-promoting, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Hear that? My grace is sufficient for you. Some of you need to hear that this morning. My grace, God's grace, it's sufficient for you. Now, many of us, we're praying, God, take away that weakness, take away that thorn. I don't want to have to deal with that. Would you please remove it from me? But maybe God's not going to remove it, at least for now. But what he wants you to do is to learn that his grace is sufficient for you. Oftentimes, we want God to change our situation, but friends, sometimes God doesn't want to change your situation he wants to change you. Here's a statement for us. Often we want God to change the situation, but God wants to use it to change us. God often wants to use our situation. To change our lives. And many of you, you know Denise Nelson. She plays keys here on our worship team. You might have noticed she needs crutches to get on and off stage uh, because she has a rare bone disease. And this week I was talking to um, Denise and just asking her about, you know, her personal struggle. And so she wrote me a little story and, and she wanted me or gave me permission to share this with all of you about just how she's seen God change her Um, through this disease in her life. She writes, I have something called osteogenesis imperfecta. It's also known as uh, brittle bone disease. Maybe you've heard of it. My first recognized break was at the age of six years old, at which time I had a double fracture in my leg. So after I got my cast off, I broke it again in two different places. I remember my mom singing, Jesus loves me to me through the tears. As a young girl, I was always out playing sports with my little brother. I would break a finger, tape it up, and go right back to playing basketball or football, not because I loved pain, but because I loved life. But over the years, my passion for giving my all to everything began to lessen as it became more difficult to bounce back. Over time, I have developed several complications and lasting effects from the multiple breaks, surgeries, and injuries, resulting in an intense struggle daily with pain, fatigue, and weakness. I learned early on that life has a tendency to throw unexpected punches that are hard to block, which led to frustration. In this fast-paced production society, it is difficult not to equate who I am with what I do and what I produce. In 2012, after seven surgeries, within about 16 months, I left the workforce and went on permanent disability. That was not what I wanted. Who would find any value in me if I weren't able to do and produce any longer? I remember asking, why didn't the Lord just take me home if I couldn't contribute to my family anymore? This ugly frustration monster can still sneak into my thoughts at times. I want to be strong and do things just like everybody else. But God's grace. I came to realize that Jesus never left me. He became and remains my best friend and my everything. One day the Lord whispered, isn't it enough just to be with me? I finally had peace and stillness. I was prayed for often and would pray for the Lord to heal me. I knew he could do it at any time and still can. I remember having the impression on my heart that I wouldn't be completely healed in this lifetime. But he is faithful and would walk with me on this journey. Day by day and often just moment by moment. I learned if I couldn't walk, I could crawl, and if I couldn't crawl, he would carry me. He understands pain and suffering. His grace would help me to do what I needed to do, and the rest I would learn to entrust to him. In the process, I would learn to give him thanks often for the hard times, because they always caused me to look up and stay close to him. I learned that in life, we so often pray for the hard things to go away, but in pain and struggle, whatever hard thing you endure, he truly shows up and our hearts are drawn intimately closer to him. I knew in my soul the Lord was faithful, but I figured he may need my help along the way. I had to get to the point of realizing first that I am weak, not just in my body, but that my so-called strong will that carried me through in the past, it's not enough. I realized that he was fine with me just being in his presence, and I learned to love the realization that he was good with me just being still. I had to totally surrender, knowing he has me in his capable hands, and he impressed on my heart to love people and pray often for others. I have learned that everyone has some kind of pain in this life. I want others to see that nothing is too big for him. You are not alone, ever. I truly am thankful for it all, really. We don't grow stronger without the trials of life. It only takes moments to look around and see many who have even greater sufferings than we do. This life can be hard, really stinking hard, but he will help us. When we learn to trust our creator, we know that as long as we have breath, he's not finished with us yet. I'm thankful to Denise for sharing that with us and having the courage to tell us a little bit about her story. But friends, what I heard in her story is that it was through her suffering, it was through her weakness, that she was able to go deeper in her relationship with God and honestly discover something better. Discover something better than this world can offer And while I know we're all on a spiritual journey and we're all on different places, I sometimes look around and I just, I see people who are believers, but their faith remains so shallow. And that's because we're often trying to do life on our own and we haven't gotten to that place where we've acknowledged our weaknesses and we've dived into deeper places with God, learning to trust him. But I'm telling you, just what Denise has found, when we do that, we discover deeper peace We discover deeper joys and we discover something that's eternal that's never going to fail us but that will always remain. And friends, so this is my challenge for us this morning is simply that we would dive deeper into our relationship with God through our weaknesses, that we would stop trying to do so much on our own and we would go to God and we would ask him more and more for help, the help that only he can provide. I found this psalm in Psalm 86.1. It's at the bottom of your your handout. It says, bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. What if you and I were to get up each day this week, just depend on God a little more than we did last week, and just to say, God, I need your help. What if you and I were to acknowledge our weaknesses And we were to go to God and say, God, I have some glaring weaknesses in my life, but would you help me? And would we depend on him just a little more? Friends, this is something you can do throughout your day. You don't just need to do it in the morning. You can say, I have a meeting coming up. God, would you help me with this meeting? You know, you can be driving in the snow this week. God, can you help me stay safe on the road? Help my family to stay safe. God, my wife wants to watch a romantic comedy. God, will you help me? (laughs) Give me patience. And that might sound funny, but we need God's help in every area of life. What if we were to learn to be just a little more dependent on God this week and grow in our relationship with him? And so here's what I'm saying. Friends, we all have weaknesses. Don't let them go to waste. Let God use them in your life. And if you will learn to depend on him through your weaknesses, you might just experience a power, a power that comes from Christ that gives you new strengths that you didn't even know you had. I'm gonna ask us just to stand up. I'm gonna close this in prayer and pray this for us. Father, I know there's many of us in here this morning that are battling some kind of weakness. We have some kind of thorn in our side, something we've prayed many times that you would just take away and you haven't taken it away. And it can be frustrating and it can be hard. But I just want to pray for us all this morning that whatever that is, we would not let it go to waste. God, we're going to lift that up to you right now and acknowledge that is a part of our life. And at least for this season, you're allowing it to remain. And so we're going to pray, would you please use it Would you use it to drive us into deeper places with you? Would you use it to teach us more dependency on you? And through it all, would you help us to discover new strengths and new power that come from you? Would you help us to discover new levels of joy, new levels of peace, new measures of love and care for others? And God, would your power truly be perfected in us so that we could do more and accomplish more than we could ever do on our own? We need you this week. We're going to Commit ourselves to trusting in you and depending on you more. And we're going to lift this all up in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.